0: Hi, welcome to the Food in the Edge podcast, and I'm your host, J.P. McMahon. Thank you for listening to the Food in the Edge podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it will help us connect with more people like you. We release our podcast fortnightly, usually at the beginning of the month and midway through the month. Our podcasts focus on food and its importance in our society. Each fortnight, we talk to different speakers from around the globe on different food issues that are affecting them. If you're interested in these issues, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you have any comments on the subject of the podcast we were discussing today, please share your ideas with us. You can do so on Twitter, and it's at Food on the Edge, or on Instagram, which is the same, or you can also leave a comment on Facebook. Our hashtags are Join the Conversation and FOTE 2021. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the different food issues that we're discussing each fortnight. Is there a particular issue you want us to talk about? Just get in touch. So let's continue the conversation on Twitter and you can find us at Food on the Edge. If you'd like to be in with a chance to win a copy of my cookbook, The Irish Cookbook, share a screenshot of this podcast on your Instagram stories and tag at Food on the Edge.
1: Hi everyone, you're welcome to the Food on the Edge podcast and it gives me great pleasure today to be speaking to uh, Christian Cuglisi. Uh Christian is uh, a wonderful uh, chef, um, I'd like to call him a friend, mentor as well, who is based in Copenhagen. Hi, Christian. How are you?
2: Hi, uh, JP. Very happy to be here. Yeah, uh,
1: thanks. Thanks so much. And Christian spoke. Oh, a couple of years ago, with Food in the Edge. I think it was before you before you um, established the farm of ideas, and uh, we we will talk about that later on. But I suppose mm-hmm. I just wanted to begin with the. I suppose the elephant in the room and how um, I suppose how you are now in relation to food and the restaurants and and how has it been not so much how has it been over the last two years but how is it how has it changed your focus so how are you feeling now going forward
2: it's oh, it's a, it's a it's a big question, and and it kind it kind of uh, I think demands that I have concluded something over the last couple of years, and I don't think I've concluded much. I'm just trying to sort out what the hell is going on, and um, uh, like on, on practical terms, I am now uh, at base. I'm sitting at base now, and my running business is based in Mirabel as a restaurant and bakery. And then Mirabel is also a restaurant in the evening for lunch. And then I have uh, the farm of ideas going that sees me in a different role. I was just uh, writing it up on, on Instagram uh, a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, that's, that's about it. I mean, to me, this, this, this these years have, uh, Required a, a renewed focus that has been way more on, on just cutting into the bone and, and cutting off the fat and just just being a little bit more uh, focused on less less things. Uh, and was that, that was that
1: it was was it a I suppose was it a natural decision or? Not so much a natural decision, but the the reason to, I suppose, to uh, to to close or to to, to conclude, mm-hmm. kind of relay Manfred's chapter was. I mean, was that entirely COVID led, or was that you coming to a realization that uh, that you wanted? I suppose, as you said, cut to the bone and become more focused.
2: Well, there, there's there, there was many many motivations behind it, and I, I think really you you. Ha- you need to. I think it's important to look at restaurants at something that is finite. Like it will not last forever. Hmm. Uh, th- th- I think that's just that acknowledgement is extremely helpful to you when you start out. And you could say the same as a person. You know, in philosophy, you say, "Well, you die a little bit every day." You know. Yeah. So, so that that's how. If you if you look at life this way, then everything becomes a little bit easier to digest. And in terms of restaurants. Uh, I think with Relay and Manfred's, uh, the peak of those restaurants in both uh, the creative work and and uh, also the financial uh, economy and, and everything around it. And also my personal feeling around it was probably peaking between 14 and 17, right? Okay. Uh and, and 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 I say that looking back uh, because that's not it wasn't my uh uh feeling in two thousand eighteen, nineteen that this had peaked. But I but I but I can but I can look back and think of it this way. And you know, I just have to I just have to consider that I started wanting to do other things literally two, three, four years into relay. Uh, and and that which became based and then became Mirabel and then became the farm and all all this stuff and and, and you know I just at one point started acknowledging that uh, I have uh, many interests and I have broad interests mm-hmm. and 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 relay was was one question I was asking myself and I tried to give an answer to it for for five six years six years and then other things took my attention no? mm-hmm. and then and then I think uh, I think it's saying because people say, oh, people either assume that it was because of Corona and and uh, uh, you know then uh, it, it was therefore a financial uh, choice that yeah. you couldn't make that business run. I'm a hundred percent sure you can make that business run, and I kept saying that. Moreover, you know, they opened in uh, just in the aftermath of the financial crisis, so it was kind of born into a crisis, so it would yeah. be able to survive anyhow. Uh, what I realized was that. Uh, you know, if you wanna want this to continue, then you need to go deep in the same way that you opened it. And are you ready to do so? Yes. And I I couldn't I couldn't say yes. Like I'm, I'm not, like I don't want to. I've done it once. I loved it. It's given me so much. Do I wanna do it again? Well I'm a different time, at a different age, with different interests. I don't think so.
1: No, and, and I, 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 I certainly would agree with you, particularly from my own point of view and Uh, as things grow and restaurants and focus and like you become less I suppose from my point of view you become less of an individual and more of Mm. working on this collective
2: yeah and that's that's an interesting uh, uh, topic to talk about too but but then I I see that you know when people say oh was it COVID you know you couldn't make it work well no but I don't think it was but also that something was not influenced by COVID in 2020 or 2021 would be a lie because everything was influenced by COVID. I mean, the animals in the zoo was influenced by COVID. You know what I mean? Like everything. So, so denying that would be stupid, but, but, but to me, as I see it, these two years have been like a pressure cooker where every sort of uh, progress and development and questions asked, or at least questions you could ask yourself, you could just ask them way more intensely. Because of maybe having more time, but also feeling more pressure. So, so you know, to, to me, the, those two years really gave me room to think a lot of things. And one of the conclusions were quite early, which was like mid twenty. Uh, it's time to finish off Relay in Memphis. It's been 10 years. It's been, uh, a, it, there's a natural time to, to close the circle. The chapter is over. I'm extremely proud of what we have uh, achieved. I'm extremely proud of of how uh, this has influenced uh, people that have been here, either as guests or as uh, uh, staff. And uh, you know, we we have put a little mark in 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 the world and the gastronomic world. And I'm proud of it. And then what? Like, do you want more? Like, I, I don't. I don't see why I would want more from that. Like, how could you expect more from that? And I, I'm, I was just afraid that it would just destroy me if I would have clinged on to this uh, uh, essentially ego-based idea that I needed to be the Michelin Star chef, that I needed to be the, the 50 best, the, the, the sort of circle that I needed to be, you know, somewhat interesting to people because of that. I had to have the courage and say, "Listen, to me personally, in my day to day life, this is not where I want to put my feet and stand most of the day. Yeah, so, no, so what I, the hell am
1: I going to do? And I think it's uh, like it's an extremely difficult and brave thing to do. I mean, in 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 our in our the way things are today, and I I I commend, I understand elements of it. I won't say understand at all. I mean, but I, I certainly I certainly see it from the from from that perspective, and and um, and I see the farm as kind of being. Being like a like a metaphor as well. It's a real thing, but it's also a metaphor of of um, of how to how to how to change how to change things. But I want to I want to go back and uh, because I suppose on the podcast I I, I like to talk to the, the the chefs and people about I suppose their old food memories and the, and their uh, what what they I suppose what what food meant to them growing up and uh what it meant to their to their parents but do you wh- what was food like for you um as a like as a young child and then i suppose at what point did you i suppose in your teenage years realize that food was was uh, was something that important enough that you wanted to wanted to i suppose make it your make it your life
2: well i think it came to me quite early um uh as as an immigrant to me to me this is like probably the most impactful event of my life was to go from one country to another country at the age of uh, seven, seven and a half, almost eight years old. So I, w- I, was, I was taken by my parents from Sicily and brought to, to Denmark. And uh, I think it has really defined me as a, as a, as a person. And I, I have really spent a lot of time thinking about that. Uh, in the last 10 years or so, but uh, food sort of was, and, and food culture was a, was a big part of that because I I, I think that I, I saw uh, gastronomy as something that belonged to where I came from and was was sort of not really present where I arrived and therefore it became a very important part of my own identity. Because that's that's what you do when you're an immigrant. You cling on to what is it that defines me as where I was from, you know? So 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 you you come to this country and this. What is the difference between me and these people? <laughs> hmm. Well, we I have pizza and pasta. What do you guys have? Nothing, <laughs> you know? And and that was that was very much uh, something that that really made me uh, appreciate food in a, in a very different way than than the most of my um uh, peers you know at the same age yeah. and and then and then and then the, the the strangest thing about it was that i didn't do much cooking like at all but i was extremely opinionated about the food and it's not that i came from a family that sometimes I, I i get a little bit tired of this stereotype idea of italian families that that uh, you know uh, gather up under the olive tree and (laughs) cut up the lemon and make some lemonade and just you know beautiful black haired curly women in in flower (laughs) dresses all that shit which is like okay yeah i wish But that's not how it was you know some glimpses of it was there but 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 my family was was a pretty standard for italian uh, measures and uh, you know, the, the, most of the produce that we would get, we would just get at some supermarket, but there were some elements okay. that to me were uh, uh, very special and completely uh, uh, extinct in Denmark, which was, you know, you would grow your own tomatoes, like in the back backyard, you would grow your own tomatoes and you would you would make your passata, you would make your own tomato sauce. Uh, you know, my, my uncle would make wine, he would have olives. Uh, you would gather up and 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 harvest olives to make olive oil for the family stuff like this, like that kind of stuff. I was like, this is just so special, and it it totally connects me with my roots, with my uh, uh, family, and, and this to me is very special. And I think that that was in me uh, in in my in my childhood in Denmark, where I felt that this was uh, a very easy uh, thing for me to to be able to differentiate myself from everybody else.
1: And what brought your then, family to sorry the, the, what brought your family to to denmark i mean why i suppose denmark rather than another country was there was there a, was there already a pre-existing link or was it just a a better place to be at that time well ish
2: uh, like there was like my father is italian and my mom is norwegian um so the obvious thing would be to go to norway but nobody really wanted to go to Norway and Norway is kind of boring as an immigrant. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like, no, but like my mom didn't want to go to Oslo. Yeah. Oslo was, was boring. And she came from really from the countryside. And what the hell was my father going to do there? Like the the obvious thing for my father to do was to become a waiter because in Sicily, he was a a wholesaler of uh, citrus, mostly lemons, which was very typical Mm -hmm. from that area. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, um, you know, like he had, as as when he was very young, he he had worked as a waiter in in uh, both London and Switzerland, so he could speak some English, which was which was a big deal uh, then. And and then and then he would go into the restaurant industry straight away. That was his idea. And and doing that in, in in Norway didn't seem like a good idea. While Copenhagen seemed to be a little bit more a little bit more forward. And then they happened to have a. Uh, uh, um, a couple uh, uh, of friends that uh, where one was Italian, one was Danish, and she and she lived in Denmark, uh, and, and that that was sort of my my um, mom's sort of hook to mm-hmm. Denmark. And
1: but then, what, and what, then year, what what year was that, uh, uh, Christian? What year 90, did you move there? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Just this, just, just, as, just as Italy were hosting the World Cup. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I remember watching this World Cup. Uh, in, in our apartment and, 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 in, and you know, like I was crying when Italy uh, lost the, the semifinal. I can clearly remember this like as a kid, when like, if you imagine this as an immigrant, you, you go away from Italy, you go to this new country. Like you, you, all you look for is what makes you nostalgic of where you're from. And like food and football is probably the main stuff. Like I would also later on, have like cars and design, everything Italian for me yeah. until I was like 20 was, Way better than anything else anywhere, but 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 football was a big deal. I loved football as a kid, and and to me it was also something that you know when when you come to a country and you don't speak the language. As an eight year old, you just take the ball under your arm and you go down to the to to the courtyard and you just play football with other kids. You don't need to talk to them. Yes, and yep. and this was in the middle of the World Cup, so like I had like I would be able to say like. Zenga uh, as the as the uh, as would be the the, the coach uh, sorry the the goalkeeper or I would be able to say Skilacci which was the the, yeah. the attacker and these these kids would understand who I was talking about that's crazy
1: this this was a, a, just a, an interesting aside this like Italian food pretty much came to Ireland because of Italian 90 I mean it was already there mm. I mean many people had travelled in the 50s and 60s and when we were part of the British Empire there was lots of different stuff but it was the first world cup that Ireland got to. And, um, it, 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 tra- ironically for me, that was, it's a defining point that transformed like an interest in food from the outside and wow. uh, to much wider, to much, much wider. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's, Very uh, interesting. It, it And so it is, it's, it's a surprising one you going to Denmark and, and, uh, because I remember the first time we we had pasta, and um, huh? after it, after, after, um, Italian 90, my father started to cook pasta and we had, <laughs> we had never, we had never cooked pasta in the house. All of a sudden he was making lasagna. And my father is not, a, he's a scientist. He wasn't a, he, he makes a few dishes. He makes carbonara, bolognese, lasagna, all the regular things. But it, it for me, it was this mystical, oh my God, what is this food? <laughs> my, my parents, my grandparents never I don't even think I had rice in my grandparents' house, right like it was, it was yeah. potatoes, my yeah. two grand, my both sides. and all of a sudden, I it was literally, oh my God, pizza, oh my God, bread, like like yeah. Yeah, that, that Italian bread. and <laughs> and, and, it, and it did lead me to my first job was in an Italian restaurant with this guy from Naples, and uh, I still I still credit it with uh, like that that passion, that that mm. passion that you have in Italian food for mm. the, the simple, beautiful things. Um and for me that was one of those one of those moments. But it does go back and Scalacci scored, he knocked Ireland out of the out of the World Cup. We all thought we were gonna win. And uh and I loved don't worry, I get me wrong, I I loved it. I, I think Germany and Italy as well because the footballers were so good. But uh that's just yeah. an interesting aside, sorry.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's very interesting. Also I I mean that's interesting because I also clearly have this idea and I don't know, like it must've been through my parents telling me this later because I don't, I don't think that I could have understood that at that age, but like my parents would like, when, when we would be back home in the summer, like they would buy a lot of Parmesan because you couldn't find it in Denmark.
1: Mm.
2: Like Parmesan, like that's everywhere you can, you can find it almost in the streets today, like everywhere. But back, back then it was like exotic.
1: No, and and there is fast exotic and and still to this day like even though we have loads and loads of Italian restaurants and I still think we have like forgive me now but we'll have we have more mediocre Italian restaurants in Ireland than we have exceptional ones Uh, um, and and I think that would be the same for in Europe because for some reason there's an adaptation of Italian cuisine as just like a, a normal cuisine but I still think for me the exotic element of of Italian cooking is still 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 holds to this day um mm. for me and whether it's pasta with tomato sauce or just something really really simple I, yeah. I think if there is a magical thing um about that and I think that's where a lot of the the local food movement when when that and we will talk about that in, in, in a while but I think in a roundabout way a lot of that Came back to, as you said, your your grandfather growing tomatoes or making wine or all these different things. A lot of that came back to, uh, and a, a a cuisine that we, I suppose, classed as as exotic and not and not as local. Mm.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but when um, I suppose when you 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 trained as a chef in college, didn't you? Well, in, in hospitality school,
0: yes, in ho-
1: yeah, yes. and I and was was there like was that was there was a particular reason for for going there or was it just uh, that that was well, that was your main a, interest? one
2: well, like like as as uh, uh, you know I I grew up with this idea and food was born to me in Allah and then and then uh, to to exacerbate that then my my father worked in the restaurant industry. Because he was a waiter, and he worked really hard, and my mom worked really hard, and particularly the first years, like they they work a lot of night shifts, and I wouldn't be much about having a a, a babysitter, which also happens sometimes. But then I will go with my mom to work, or I will go with my father's work, and I would just hang out at this restaurant, like literally just be in the back, (laughs) and uh, I don't know what the hell I was doing all day. But you know, it was also by the beach, and I would just walk around the beach and stuff like this. But uh, I just remember connecting restaurants with Italy because again, these people, that's the only restaurants I knew. Yes. Right. So, so for me, restaurants were only places where people would speak in Italian and, and where they would serve lasagna and pasta and pizza and so on. So, so I felt that connection with the restaurant industry when I was a kid, like this is, this is somehow a representation of my home. And, and, and I grew up in, in, in that. And then, you know, you go through the school system and, you know, I was, I'm, I'm quite uh, uh, literate. Like I like reading, I like writing. And it wasn't obvious for me to go into, into cooking at all. But, but I, then I had my years around 16, 17, where I started fucking around a little bit and, you know, going a little bit crazy as you do when you're that age sometimes, um, and, uh, uh, and then, and then it hit me that I had a fascination for craft, like working with my hands, uh, and I had this, uh, strong feeling about cooking and my cooking identity, if you like. And then, and then I, I was working as a bellboy in a hotel, uh, uh, and there was nothing to do with this, with this place, uh, in the winter. And I would just hang out in the kitchen and see what this, these guys were doing. And I just clearly remember seeing this chef apprentice uh, slicing mushrooms really fast. And I was like, whoa, this guy, that's <laughs> just so fucking cool. I want to do this. Bam, 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 bam. And, and I was like, what, like, what, what's, what, you know, you're a chef apprentice or how does this work? And yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I was like, it just, it just hit me. This is, this is me. I have the craft. I have what I feel is my background. This is for me. I want to do this, and I just started. And I was seventeen.
1: And, and it's interesting you mentioned the 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 you know, the literary background because I mean I'm, I suppose I'm I'm quite literary and sometimes I I mm. I'm con- I'm confused in the sense of I don't know what I am in that respect. Yeah. And sometimes I've often I've often felt and it's much easier now, but certainly twenty years ago it was not as easy to combine. The, the literary and the, and I suppose the culinary, it was, it. there were two yeah, very, yeah. very, there were two very different worlds. And yeah. I, I, you couldn't, you couldn't just wander into a kitchen and say, oh, this is what I'm reading because they'd look at you like what do you mean you read. Like, uh, whereas <laughs> that, like and it's so, or talk about some art you'd looked at and they'd be like, is there something wrong with you? Like just yeah, in yeah, line. Totally. Yeah. And now that, that has changed dramatically. And I think that I hope going forward that, that we're a bit more, I suppose, multidimensional, or maybe yeah. that's the mark that we can leave as, as we, as, as I'm over 40, but as you enter your forties next year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think I think the, 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 the point you make is that I think it's completely true. And it's like, you know, really reflecting on things is kind of new in our industry. <laughs> it's, it sounds funny. harsh, but, but, you know, like you would, you would just fucking get it, get it. Get it done. Get it done. Boom. Busy. Boom boom, boom. 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 Do things fast. Whatever. Like that would be the the, the art of your craft, which I think also uh, you know should should uh, uh, you know it, it should have the acknowledgement and the respect that it deserves because it deserves a lot of respect. But 100%. But but, but I, I I just think that I don't feel that I have been sort of uh, so much a part of this more. Uh, intellectuals like going towards the cooking mm. uh, because I came in when I was literally not thinking about it like I, I knew I had the basis to, to go studying but but I, I it's not that I was thinking about it that much back then. I, I just liked the practical part of it. Later on I started reflecting because I got older and started thinking about things and here I was but but in Denmark at least it's been very obvious that there has bit been a big shift. Uh, from say 20 years ago when i started to 10 years later where all of a sudden you would have people starting their chef apprenticeship at the age of 28 after finishing philosophy studies yeah yes like that would be completely different people rather than me being 17 starting like you know where's the action
1: you know
2: like it's very different
1: and and that's the same i think that's the same in our i remember once uh we we had a um we had a young girl in and she was she was trained to become a chef and uh, she had got we have like the, the final exam, the leaving cert in, in mm-hmm. Ireland. And um usually if you get six or seven hundred points or seven hundred and fifty, you're you're destined to become a doctor. Like that's right. it's the maximum you can get. And so yeah. she had said to me, Oh no, I got like seven hundred points. I want to be a chef. And I was like, Wow. I said, Did your did your parents have anything to say to you? And and she was she, but it, it it just surprised me because there's Ross Lewis who's an, an Irish chef who's about probably ten years older than than me. I mean when I suppose started training he he used to say that you either join the foreign legion or you you become a chef he said yeah. you couldn't you couldn't be a plumber an electrician and you couldn't go to college yeah. and and that is as you said now we have people coming in who who so we have actually saw a guy with us in his 40s who was, who is was so overqualified in terms of everything else but he wants to be a chef yeah. and I, I i think it's 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 inter- that will affect the 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 next um the next uh the next 10 years but I, but I, I must say i think it already has i think it already yes. has i i must say that i i think when when you're aware, when i with your book on raleigh on on raleigh is uh is extremely literary you know and i don't mean mm. that as a as uh, i mean as a, as a compliment but yeah. it is i mean most cookbooks you pop into you read yeah but it is it is one of those books that it um, that uh, that I love popping back to, just just for 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 the, um, uh, I suppose for the, for the for the words. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. It, it tells a story, and I do think that that for me that is there. There are many many cookbooks like this now, and mm-hmm. uh, but I think that striking a balance between cookbook um, and uh, I suppose uh, and literature is something yeah. is something something new for me as well. But what what brought you to? Or what, what? made you uh, go into the? I suppose the what we call the fine dining world, or, or that? I, I think you you uh, you staged in the in like El Bulli, and then you you ended up in Noma. But I mean, what what was your thinking around? I mean, cooking, loving the action, chopping a mushroom, and then all of a sudden saying no, I want to. Was it just like your competitive nature, or kind of like I want to be the best?
2: Yeah, well, in in those years, the first. Five eight years of my career, I was I was very uh, competitive and I was very uh, uh, sort of technical about it. That when, when in retrospect later on, I think I I, I matured my thought about cooking, uh, including other aspects than the technical, mm-hmm. as in you know ethical and sustainability and all these things. But but back then, like to me, like could you make? a perfect uh, crust and a creme brulee, or could you not? I mean, that's the defining moment. You know what I mean? And like, could you get the prep done fucking fast, or could you not? But, like, it was all technique. It was like, how do you get things done fast? You know, I wouldn't, like, I, the, the first many years I was a, a chef apprentice, I did not really eat in a restaurant. Like, t- today, it, I find it crazy. But I hadn't come to the conclusion, like understanding that f- for me to really understand cooking, I need to try and be at the receiving end of it. And that was because I was just seeing the the technical part. Like, you know, I, I, I solve this problem as fast as I can. Boom. There we go. And, you know, also probably I couldn't season anything the first <laughs> five years because I didn't understand how to do it properly because that is for me, for sure, the product of, of understanding uh, to be on the receiving end of it. No. I no, I normally say that you need to be able to cook for yourself. That's that's the main. Oh, one hundred percent. Yes. Right, but, but I didn't get that when I was 17, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and and you know, I just I just wanted to be with the best. Like if I was if, if this was football, I just wanted to play with the best team in the world. That was it, and you know, I wanted wanted to learn from that, and, and I and I just went okay. I'm seventeen. Where do I start? Um, I guess Paris. You know, Paris. Paris must be the best place. They do any sort of cooking. Let's go to Paris. And at the time, like. There was no blogs. There was no Instagram. There was not even a cookbook in reach for me. Like I wouldn't know what was the best restaurant. I would have a strange idea about it being in Paris, but that was it. So back then I would just go to my school where I started the the school and and, and said, okay, I want to go to Paris. Okay, well, here's a place for you. (laughs) So they just sent me some random place in in Paris, which was a a bistro of sort of dubious qualities. Like it was all right. And I learned so much. But, but but you know, like the, you know all the meat was just already sliced up ready packages, like it was kind of sort of that had a sort of a battlefield uh, uh, edge to it, you know like it was just could you be fast and good? but it wasn't like a, a deep dive into the, 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 the most sacred uh, type of gastronomy uh, that, that you could find. And I'm actually honestly happy that I started off in that kind of place and then became more gastronomical because I, I, I sort of uh, went the first round around the block in a, in a place where it was about getting organized. It was about just getting getting at it, get stuff done. Don't ask too many questions, goddammit, or I'll kick you in the ass, you know, yeah. which, which, which to me at the age of 17, just turning 18 in Paris, like in that one year, Man, I grew like 10 years. So, so uh, uh, that was very important to me. And then as I came back, I continued my apprenticeship. And it was just a Danish restaurant, which was okay. But again, I didn't know what was best, but I was always looking for what was best. And then, and then uh, I did uh, uh, my first stage in, in Paris uh, at the Taiwan, which was uh, three Michelin stars at the time. Hmm. And there I saw, okay, shit, there's another level. there's another level like you cannot just chop the onions however the fuck you want like this is just just this one way doing it obviously this this team was you know 15 guys and i was used to being in kitchens there would be maybe three to five guys it's different it's different and and uh, uh, at the taiwan i met uh, uh, this guy i was also i have to say that i went to paris also because i was kind of running away from a girlfriend (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when I was there for the second time for four months, because I had this girlfriend that was like seven years older than me and she was all ready to, to get, the, uh, you know, really serious. And she was like 27, I was probably 20. And I was like, not ready for this shit. I need to go to Paris now. I literally just ran away. I was scared. So I ran away and I, I was there and like, this is what I want. I want to travel the world and get my ass kicked and, you know, learn from other people. I don't, I'm not ready to have kids and stuff. I don't want to do this now. So, so I, w- I went there and then there I met this guy that kept on talking about this restaurant where everything they did was apparently better than what we were doing at the moment. And that was a bully. And, and, uh, uh by, by the, you know, after a couple of months, I was like, okay, I want to work at a bully then. God damn it. Can you hook me up? And, and, and so he did.
1: Uh, what, what year was that? So
2: Taiwan was, uh, must've been 2005.
1: So that, yeah. So, um, when did El Bully close 2010? Did it or 11?
2: No, 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 later, later because I oh, ate it. then 2011. It was probably oh, okay. maybe 14 or something. I ah,
1: that late. Oh, wow. Yep. <clears throat> um, but I, the, I remember talking to you about El Bully and, and I suppose how how it, I suppose marked the contrast in your later self and, and, and what you did in, in uh, uh, I suppose the unlearning that you had to, uh, to go to, to, uh, yeah reclaim but I suppose what was the impact of, of El bully on you on your thinking as a as a chef or like in terms of building a building a, a philosophy of philosophy of food or were you even think when you were in El bully were you just it was still very much technically orientated and you, and you weren't really thinking anything, anything beyond that well I started
2: to reflect I started slowly to think <laughs> at the time because then I'm I'm closing in on 23 24 and and as I, as I think of it like there was a way of deconstructing everything at a bully that that you know, that no no rules were uh, uh, too holy to 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 break, right? Like everything was up for grabs, and you can make. A, this is a carrot, okay? Now we're gonna make a, a foam of this, okay? Why? Well, nobody knows, but this is this is what we're doing, and it's crazy. And I was like, whoa! It blew my mind that you could actually do that with a carrot and I, you know, I came from this this uh, idea that you had a French restaurant you had an Italian restaurant and you know, you have whatever, there was no Nordic restaurants at the time, it wasn't mm-hmm. really like Noma was there but it hadn't really become Noma, right and and uh, um, I, I think it really appealed to me because again as an immigrant I've struggled with many, many years through my uh, teenage uh, uh, years that uh, between this, you know, what am I Italian? Am I Danish? Uh, you know, when, when you're in Italy, everybody calls you the Danish guy. When you're Denmark, you don't really feel like you're like these people and, and back and forth. And that's just a very classic uh, problem for the immigrant. Right. And when I started to get to this age, just seeing this idea that all that didn't matter, it like didn't matter where it came from. They had a great respect for what was local and local tradition there, a lot, like way more than you think. Because you know, all Catalan dishes and whatever is, if, mm. if it's called sot with the romesco and this particular way of making the great romesco. But but what I like about it was that at Ibui was the first place that they would say that this is how you should make a romesco. But not because that's what they do. No, that's because of this. Whatever the almonds not must be roasted because of that giving you that flavor. Blah, blah, blah. So they had this approach that was completely liberated from tradition and had a methodical creative thinking that could just flip the world upside down. And I thought that that was just mind blowing, mind blowing. And I think that there was like so much of in in, uh, uh, in the first years of relay. Uh, and what I feel really good about is that nobody could really tell. Because because the, the the method was what was behind it was the approach that I that I felt that I, inspired me so much. Mm.
1: And uh, when when you finished in um, uh, at bully, was that did you did you go straight to Noma then, or or was there was there a gap in between?
2: Yeah, no. Well, uh, um, I I finished. I I came back to Denmark, and I was like, okay. I actually asked them at bully like. Um, I want to work at Michel Bras. Like that, that's what I wanted. I wanted some, because, you know, this, this experience of deconstructing things and, and, you know, relieve everything of meaning, at least to me, at one point was just enough. Like, okay, I got it. Like I need to see a fish section with actual pieces of fish, yeah. not some jellified balls of what maybe was a fish stock at one point you know what i mean like this, mm. everything's just so strange i need i need something that is a little bit more foundational that i can rely on and i wanted to go like my my need was to get back to the basics i want to go to alain ducasse or or Michel bar that was sort of my my, my 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 intention and i went i went to albert Hawick, which was the the head chef back then i said you know i really want to go to to Michel bar can you can you help me uh, because Sebastian Bar ba had been there for dinner, and I, I had the sensation that they were like, "This is the most powerful people in, in the cooking industry. If mean, anybody can yeah. help you, with them." No? So I was like, "Okay, c- can you help me with this?" And, and they uh, and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, let me, let me, let me see what I can do." And then he came back to me and he said, "Listen, uh, um, unfortunately, uh, the team is uh, uh, next year's team is already set at the uh, Michel Bar." Um, but, uh, you know, Ferran really likes you. And we want to offer you a job here. You should stay. I have chef shift the And then next year, we, um, can, we can get you to Michel Bar. Mm. And I was like, whoa, that's intense. And I was like, <coughs> I thought about it for a couple of days. I was like, no way. Like, I can I cannot, I love this place. This has made such a mark on my, on my, um, uh, idea of of cooking and stuff, but I can I cannot do anymore. Like I, I got fed up with it by the end, mm. and and then I returned, uh, waiting for some sort of opportunity in the Michel Brais kind of way, uh, and then and then strangely I got hooked up with Renee because I had a friend there that was a front of house person that told Renee, you know, this guy just came back from Elbudi, and coming back from Elbudi in two thousand and uh, what are we six? was Like you know, you just play for Barcelona and you're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. to play football. Like, people be like, What well bully? Whoa, whoa. So, so I would, I would, uh, uh, he would uh, call me up because I, I believe that at the time, as, as far as I know, it had been me, Rene, and one more guy, uh, in Aarhus that had been at a bully from Denmark. You know, what I mean, yeah, so 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 Rene, obviously, you know, he, he had some connection to it and he knew what I had done and he was like okay uh, can I talk to you because he was looking for a sous chef that would sort of really at, at a very particular time of this uh, uh, restaurant where I also think that Renee was seeing that he, him stepping a little bit sideways in the kitchen was was coming up you know mm. so 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 it was a very important role and I had uh, a couple of conversations with him and then here I was put in front of the question uh, do you want to like what is that you want? I want to learn as much as I possibly can. This is, I'm so hungry for knowledge about this craft. So I can go the Alain Ducasse in Monaco way, where maybe in a basement after chopping uh, a shallot for two years, I would be uh, promoted to rinsing the fish or whatever, you know, in the six years I might get close to someone that thinks about something in this kitchen. Uh, Or, I can just throw myself into the deepest waters I could ever think of with this guy that I don't know what it is, but he seems kind of crazy, but but crazy in a good way. Like this is going to bring me somewhere. And I was like, I didn't, not at all feel that I was ready to be a sous chef, not at all. But, but, but I had this idea that to be the sous chef, I would have had to learn so much before. So I could be in a position of teaching other people. But I understood that, you know, you can actually do both. You can go into a position, and if you have the right approach, you can learn a lot, you can, you can observe a lot, and you can grow fast as hell. And, and that, that's, that's, that made me go for it, and it was extremely intimidating, and I was really frightened, and Renee was killing me. Not, not killing me as in shouting, but, like, just his – he was just good, and everybody was good, and I felt I was useless, like, for the first yeah. long time. Like, I was nobody. And and that made me whoa, really focus and really work hard, and I really grew in that situation.
1: I, I think before before I ask you about, about about your your years at Noma, I think it's just it's important, and you brought it up there in relation to relay as well, but also in relation to to Noma. That a lot of people would put um, El Bulli and, and Noma on, on opposite sides of the fence, but. Uh, as you said, like of, of the of the three people uh, that had been to uh, um, El bully yourself and Renee were, were two of them. So there's, there is a lineage there, and there is a, that kind of methodological thinking and creative thinking, outside the box thinking yeah. that I think demonstrates the connectivity between El Bully and, and Noma, and not this kind of decisive clip where foams just became carrots again, and then it was wild, and on all that. Yeah. I think sometimes but, but, what, what people conceptualize it.
2: But there's an ambiguity there that I think is interesting because I, I find that there was m- much of that method, the creative method that came from El Bulli and the way of, 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 of being capable of deconstructing things and putting them together as you wanted it, uh, was something that uh, Noma and Renee inherited and made very well use of for their project. The result of that project was that it was the anti-El Bulli to begin with. Because yeah. it was this way of saying, instead of saying, of saying everything needs to be different than than what you think it is, then all of a sudden it became, well, everything should be exactly what it really truly is. You know, like oh, a carrot should look like a carrot, and like the, a fish, uh, 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 not a fish, but you know, the the forest, the forest uh, uh, ground, and you know, everything is it's kind of naturalistic in some in some way, and uh, uh, that 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 to me. Opposed the, the, the very molecular, super technical, postmodern sort of bully thing. And then it became more real. And I think that that was a big part of Noma's success was that people really, like I did, I wanted to go to Landau Cast for that same reason. You, you, w- once you understand that this is, or everything becomes so uh, uh, manipulated, you want something that uh, it seems more real and more true to its nature. But what, yep. what I think, what I think, then happened was that I think with the years after Noma sort of took took on the 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 the, the, the spotlight and, and you know uh, picked picked up the relay after after Bulli, bully. I think what you have seen is that Noma has just, in its own way, slowly transformed itself to being a bully again.
1: Yes, yeah, but I, I think it's an interesting. I mean. You could also almost triangulate them in the sense of saying you have Noma el bully and say Alan Ducasse. like there's almost like a triangle in terms of technique and manipulation I mean of, of the period we're talking about um, mm. um, in terms of even if we take it even if we, even if you take a carrot an example and there was that famous carrot dish I think uh, the pan-fried carrot in, in the early Noma but the the way El Bulli would treat a carrot, or the way Alan De or Michelle Brat would treat a carrot, I think you have you got three different kind of propositions going on yeah. like going on there. Um, but like, what if I mean, there's 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 there's, there's so much you could you could talk about Noma, but just add, like what was like your your what was your, what is your takeaway from that period in time? Not like of of what Noma is or was, but personally you. From like when you went on to 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 start relay, uh, like what what would you take if you if you could take away, I suppose one 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 thing from from uh from from Noma, what would it be?
2: But it's definitely not just one thing. I think I, I took many many things with me from there. But but I think as a as a as a major uh um change in perspective in a in a um in a realm that I didn't have much experience in before. I think one major thing was that I, I saw Rene being a hundred percent engaged in what was going on in the dining room, which, which I never had seen until then by a chef, mm. you know, like in every kitchen I had been in, it would have been a closed kitchen. Uh, El Bulli was like, you would never go into the restaurant, never, like never, like the first two days because you were cleaning up everywhere. You, you saw the restaurant, and you never saw it again. You would walk in from a different entrance. You would, you would, you would stay in the back. You would be in the kitchen. You would never see the dining room. The Taiwan, the same thing, never, 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 never. It it, it was just like that, you know, and that's very normal, and it also has its reasons, which makes sense. But you know, I I saw. Uh, not only uh, uh, Renee standing at the pass in this glass cubicle, which was the the the, the normal kitchen yeah. back then, but he would not just you know be satisfied with okay now we you know we clean the side of the plate it's good to go send it off that was it no I could I just <laughs> clearly have this picture of him just looking at this dish at, on in all its way all the way to that table. And just fucking freaking out if they wouldn't serve it the right way. Or or there was be something like he was so preoccupied with what was going on in the dining room, how the guests were receiving it. Like he would be like, oh, look at them. Oh, they don't, they don't, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. These guys are not, can you see? were before. they they're not getting it. <laughs> you know, like, okay. All right. And, and, and to me, to me, that made me a hundred percent convinced that for me to run a, a a restaurant uh, that would be based on my own ideas would be impossible if I didn't have an open kitchen because okay. I would have to be in an open kitchen to both define the food and the restaurant.
1: Yeah, no, no, I completely agree with you. I mean, all, all our kitchens are open and I'm sure in, in, in some unconscious way, there was an influence in that um influence from there and trying to think about like like because for me it's it's a whole piece of theater performance it's like the 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 dining experience is, is is just as in just as integral and it's certainly it's certainly something i mean i have I have a, like a romantic attachment to the old Noma. Not that I don't like the new Noma. I do love it. But I mean, if uh, if I had to bring one to a desert island, I'd bring the old one. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know, because I suppose it was that moment. No more than you were talking earlier on about a, a moment of Relay and a moment of Manfred's. I think the mm-hmm. first time I went there, it was a particular moment. And it's just that kind of epiphany. Um, but the one thing actually that I still, that we never implemented in, in the restaurant and, and I loved in the old Noma is that, When you when you wanted to go to the bathroom, uh, they they stopped you and said, "No, sorry, your course is on the way. You have to wait." (laughs) Uh, And still to this day, I cannot. I said to our staff in the air, "We should do that." And they go, "You're crazy. You cannot stop people going to the bathroom." And I was like, "But their dish is ready." And we particularly annoys me when you have a dessert or whatever, and then you go, "Okay, we can't send it now. We've got to make it again." Yeah. And they they Norma was that kind to say, "I'm really sorry," like because you can't get up in the middle of a performance. And say yeah. like, can you stop the performance, please? You yeah, know, yeah, 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 and yeah. I, I think that that was re- that was really important for me mm-hmm. uh, to to say like, you're part of something here. You're not just going for dinner. This is part uh, a kind of theatrical moment uh, yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, I think I think that that's a great point. And I, and I remember thinking of how how we brought that with us to to uh, um, to relay, for, and I see relay always as you know, like the, the, a a teenager uh, some, somehow maybe with the parents being Noma and a bully to some extent So, really simplify it, no, but, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, having a lot of heritage from them, but also not wanting to be them at all, at all, not at all. Like, and being kind of a little bit obnoxious about it sometimes, (laughs) like we would literally, I just, I would, I would do another thing. I would say, if people get up, and we serve the food, we serve the food. I don't care. <laughs> like, I wouldn't give a fuck. Like, it was like, okay, it's your own fucking problem. Like, if you don't understand that someone is just cooking food for you and you just think you just get the fuck out of here, it's your own problem. And then I soften up a little bit with time because obviously this was a lot of conflicts coming this way. But, but, uh, it, it, it did become that if it was two people that, and one was, the, uh, uh, disappeared from the table. If it was too tough, then, then we would wait for them both to be there because I realized this, it was just, there was no, there was no good, uh, um, result coming out of just serving the food and someone just sitting there waiting for the other person to come back and everything was kind of screwed, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but then when it would be more than, than three or four, then, then we would just have to go because relay yeah. was, was, was a, was a, like a, a, it was just a machine, like you couldn't stop. You could because the problem is also what happens is that you stop because one guy gets up and then you know what happens when the the one guy comes back then the other guy gets up because you yeah, realize yeah. That, you know, it's a good time to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden you lost twenty minutes and you have to redo whatever this you were doing and everything well you know all this it just all goes down in flames right and nobody understands. I, did, I think we went through this last Saturday, Saturday
1: on a table of six yeah. and we ended up throwing oh. out every dessert or pre-dessert because yeah they literally got oh, yeah. like, we have to sort this out i was like because one saw the other saw the other saw the other and we only have one bathroom and it's a, i suppose it where we're tiny so it's uh yeah. it's like everyone just started to go wow let's yeah. go to the yeah. and, and I, I still
2: like my, my girlfriend laughs at me because because if we go out she, she's like am i okay to go to the toilet now i'm like yeah okay you're <laughs> fine now <laughs> because she knows she knows i'm fucking i'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying, you know, like right, you should yeah. know, this is not a good, you better sit here because they're
1: doing this dish right now. I know they are. Don't get I'm, up. Don't get up. I've said, just ask them what, what, what they're going to do. Is it a number one or number two or how? And they were like, the manager's like, <laughs> I'm not asking them because I just, I need to know how long they're going to be, but I'm con- I'm conscious of time. And uh, like, uh, I just did the, the, There is so much more to talk about as well. And I just want to try and, and get it, get as much yeah. in as possible. But for me, yeah, like you spoke about like, Nome and El Bulli being like the, the parents of, of Relay to a certain degree. I mean, certainly in my mind, like Relay and Amass are two of the parents or two, or are distant uncles of Anir in the sense that oh, wow. like, it was that, I don't know, it was that, it, it made things possible in a very small space. And mm-hmm. like for me, I mean, we started Anir with so little money and it was like, how do you achieve something but uh, in, 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 a, in a tiny space with a tiny yeah. amount of staff? And it, it's something for me, that when I was, um, uh, the first time I went to, to, to places, the, 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 realization that we were, I suppose on the right track or, or what we were doing or, uh, to, to, a, to a certain degree. I remember that the beetroot dish we had in, I think 2014 or 20, 2014 or 2015. I can't remember uh, mm-hmm. which, but certainly, certainly that, but I mean, I, I, I to, to, to try and Put a lot of different questions in a in in a small amount of time. I mean, you have relay in Manfreds, and then and then base came after that. that. that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, and time. then like yeah, and there, there's like for me, there's no more than the the jump that you have now uh, than uh, from from after finishing relay. I mean, what what made you kind of turn? back to Italy I mean in my mind that's it that it's that struggle and and we I still have that struggle i I struggled all through writing the Irish cookbook about how do I put saffron and pepper in it when they've been in Ireland hundreds mm-hmm. of years and mm-hmm. then you you come to realization that you just have to let go and you have to go mm-hmm. I just have to accept what's here and stop mm-hmm. fighting it but uh, at what point did you did you did you turn back to Italy or had you always been there in terms of like the olive oil use in in Raleigh and that mm-hmm. Well, there was, there was elements
2: of it, uh, most definitely always at Relay. Like to me coming from Relay and, uh, it, it, you know, this was 2009, 2010 opening Relay was like Nordic, 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 like the loyal people would just shoot it up in the arms. Uh, uh, everything was about being Nordic. And I was like, I'm not going to have any whipped butter. I'm going to have olive oil. Makes no mm. sense for me to have whipped butter. And I was already defining myself in a sense, but I think to, to understand myself I have to look at or in this situation I have to look at what I was saying before with this idea of being an immigrant and and how that was a struggle for me and this 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 thing of like what I've really met a lot in Italy particularly was that people have a way of thinking that you are not Italian enough based on some sort of uh, scale that they have uh, the complete arbitrary power over, right? So, so this is this is I, I, this happens to me also still today. I, I meet uh, someone here that is Italian, and they ask me, "So, how long have you been in Denmark for?" Mm-hmm. And then I'm say, "Well, oof, since '90, so it's about you know, it's about thirty years." And they're like, "Ah, okay, but then you're Danish now." And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like, "Who the fuck are you to tell me who I am?" You know what I mean? Like, how how can you define that? And and today it still makes me angry, but I, I I more pity people for for their way of not thinking than than when I was a teenager. This hurt me profoundly, a lot. So uh, what I understood at the years of the Bodhi Noma and doing my thing was that it wasn't about where I came from; it was about what I wanted to do and what kind of food I wanted to cook and. I was so dead set at Relay on cooking food that was truly personal and for that reason original. Like it wanted to be, I wanted it to be my food. And whenever people said they hated it, it fueled me. It was like, yeah, that's great, because if everybody loves this, it is nothing. You know, like yeah, <laughs> but obviously that also requires that some people Obviously, loved it too, right? Because it was a success, but but it was success also with embedded uh, problems and conflicts, and and at, at, in those years, I understood. Do you know what? Me as a person, I am good enough. I don't need to to be Italian to whatever extent that some people think that I have to be Italian, or I don't have to be Danish. Me is just right, which is a mix of the two. You know, it's a mix of my heritage. It's also a mix of me working in Spain. I've worked in France. My mom is Norwegian. I'm just, I'm European. I'm just Mm. trying to sort shit out based on the entirety of my experience, not only where I'm born, or what the color of my passport is. And then, and then uh, uh, once I sort of established the confidence to really feel that I knew uh, professionally and technically enough about what was up and down and you know it was acknowledged broadly that I was actually having a good palate and I was actually good at what I was doing. I started to look back at my uh, tradition and my legacy and my heritage with Italian more traditional cooking and the kind of cooking that I like, which is more the craft than it is the actual restaurants if you if, mm. you, if you can follow me and then and then I said okay now now i'm where i'm I can look at this free from the, the 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 burden of tradition or you know if this authentic or not and just do what I think is right. Mm. And that became based. And based to this day is not anywhere described by myself or by this restaurant as an Italian restaurant, as an authentic Italian restaurant. I don't use Italian names. I don't call it pizza margarita. I don't call a carbonara carbonara. I would anytime time rather serve spaghetti with egg and, and guanciale then, then call it carbonara because I don't want to have this discussion with all these fucking conservative Italians that have the absolute truth and you are not living up to it. Know what I mean, yeah, so, no, so, no. so based became what I think is an authentic restaurant on just the idea of not trying to be an authentic restaurant. No, I,
1: I, I completely agree. I, I think, I think I'm just thinking now that a lot of the 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 issues that I had as well with what's Irish, what's not Irish, am I a chef, am I a writer? I, I think a lot of them were, for me, mirrored in, in, in what you were doing. And I, I think that you're pushing through this, whatever, I suppose, pushing through whatever uh, uh, by, by things we put in our way. I think for, for, to a certain degree that, that, that assisted me in, in the way, in the way I do things too. And I just, I'm just even thinking, like, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the, of the tiramisu I had in Mirabella. I know it's a tiny thing, but mm-hmm. like I, tiramisu is probably my, my favorite dessert. And I know, like, I know it sounds naff, but and spaghetti bolognese will be my debt roll meal because mm-hmm. they have been, the spaghetti bolognese was my epiphany moment when I was 11 or 12 in some restaurant down in Ireland. And instead of having a burger, when well, my whole family had burgers and chips for some, whatever weird reason, I said, I'm going to have the pasta. And my mom said, you're not going to eat that. You, you don't like that. And <laughs> so for me, when, when I, when I, whatever year I was there, 2014, 2015, whatever year I had this, I, I just, I suppose I just had a feeling that, that, yeah, that one could follow one's own path where yeah. this kind of in with or this, the way that we break down, we categorize things, and I think yeah. sitting in Mirabelle and then eat, eating eatin and based maybe it was 2016, I think I realized that there was a harmony between these elements uh, uh, between Manfred's, Relais based, Mirabelle. And mm-hmm. I think that for me, that's the way forward. That kind of and everyone has to work through this themselves. There's a wonderful new restaurant in Ireland called Lignum, the chef is Irish Italian. And it's he. I, I I feel Danny has the same issues. He's he's extremely Nordic, but yet he, he's trying to let in his Italian heritage. But mm. at the same time, people are going, well, you can't have pasta in a Michelin star restaurant as part of a Nordic experience. And mm. like just those, the, the, it's it's real for him. And I was saying to Danny, yeah. you, you got to put pasta on the menu, even if you have a tiny pasta dish and it's a ten course tasting menu. I mean, that's your heritage. But if for it, for some weird reason you have to work it out yourself, because. Yeah. You can't just put it on the the, the main I, I'd still struggle to put Saffron in addition in here, even though I know Saffron's been here five hundred years and there's no reason why it shouldn't. But mm-hmm. it it's you gotta wait for the moment. And maybe mm-hmm. as you were saying at the beginning, that moment when you realised Relay and Manfred Manfred's had done their job and you can go no I can let them go now and it's Mm -hmm. not gonna I'm not less of a person for for doing it I'm not less of a chef or less of of a of a of a whatever
2: yeah well more than anything what I would feel was that I would end up being less of a person if I would have just let that control me rather than me being in control of it hmm So, so in the end, what what, what was my decision was based upon, like, I, I don't feel good about holding on to this. If my gut feeling tells me that it would be completely egotistic to do it. Like it would, if I, if, if you don't, like in the end, you have to say, what do I want? Like, what do I want my, my day to be like, what should my Wednesday look like? Like, you know, this is what you need to motivate you. And, and. What what happens is that if you become successful, uh, you know, accolades and a large acknowledge, acknowledgement comes to you, and that, which is great. And then, and then, the, the the big the big problem is that you can become slave to it. Mm. And when you become slave to it, you stop thinking about what should my Wednesday look like, and you think a little bit more about what how should people consider me? You know, because I worked hard, so it makes sense that you want people to think of you as being someone good at what you do. Which, which which makes sense but at one point I realized okay if I hold on to this now with the little interest I have in working hard for it to survive or to do well it would be too much based on egotistic uh, reasons and and I'm better than that and it, it it takes a lot of courage to take the leap and say you know what I don't need this mm-hmm. like it you know and I, I used to say uh, I, I I wanted relay and I wanted to create relay because i had a need to create some freedom for myself where i could be and and then and then 10 years later what happens to happen is that you know for me to find that freedom 10 years later is i need to get rid of relay yeah which is which is crazy and you would have told me that 10 years ago i'd be like you're out of your mind you don't even know what you're talking about but but i move as a person you know and i change and 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 i just think that there's there's a lot of restaurants they have a hard time, and a lot of chefs. They have a hard time uh, uh, dealing with the situation where they're really successful, and their name, and their restaurant, and what goes on around them start taking starts taking the lead on how they live their life. That I think is extremely dangerous.
1: No, I I, I completely agree with you. I think it's I think it's something COVID made me realize that because when the restaurants were closed um the I think it was something Matt I think said as well it's that he realized his identity was not in the his his identity was not the restaurant because the restaurant Mm. was closed and he was still Matt I mean Anir was closed and I was still JP but if you had said to me if you close your three restaurants uh, I would have said my world would fall apart but they all closed and they were closed for a period of time and I was still me and I still potter around and did what I did and I think that No more than COVID, I suppose, contributed to it. I don't think it was one of the reasons that it happened, but certainly trying to get a better work-life balance. Or do I see my kids enough? Do I cook at Mm. home enough? Do Mm. I, like, am I traveling too much just for the sake of it? Do I go through these places because I want to, or because I need to be seen there? And I think there was a lot of, for me, uh, questions that I had to ask myself because I mean, COVID made a lot of things redundant in the sense, in a, yeah. in a good way, not in a bad way.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. And I think you know, like I've been to uh, well, you 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 have invited me several times. and I've been to Food on the Edge, and I've had an amazing time there. Right, and there's been many, many trips that I've been on that have been absolutely fantastic for me. The the, the thing is that you 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 like making priorities. It's not easy because it's often between things where you want to do them all. Yes, it, that, that's the point. Like you make priorities because it's not easy to choose. It, yeah. it just people tend to say, "Oh, you just need to make a priorities." It's not fucking easy, man.
1: It's no. difficult. No, because I want that. I want
2: that. I want everything.
1: Yeah, you become a victim of of your as you said your own success or your own calendar, and all of a sudden it's mm-hmm. like if it's a free day, yeah, put it in. If it's a free day, yeah, put it in. Yeah. And then, and then you, you, you find you're, you're not, you don't know what you're doing. And, and it's certainly, and I'm not saying I have all the answers. And I have it all worked out. No. But I think that for me, it's good to talk about these things because I think chefs and people in the industry that are listening, that listen to the podcast may realize, yeah, look, I've got to, have got to, um, uh, maybe make a choice or, or sort my, sort my life out or, or, find out what I'm, what it is I, I need to do. But I want, I want to just finish up on, on, on the farm and, uh, because, again, I could talk to you for three hours. and, and well, one, one,
2: li- one little comment yeah. to this, uh, JP. Yeah, Sorry. go on. Yeah. Is, is, is that I think to me, what what I have really helped me a lot uh, in in being in the big circus of just, you know, successful, 50 best this and that, go here, come here. We want to see you and touch you, everybody. Uh, you know, this, this hmm. strange, uh, super... You know, it appeals to narcissism and to your ego and everything. And, you know, you thrive on it. And I think it doesn't mean that it's bad. It's good. It's good for you to get acknowledgement and accolades, but you have to deal with it in a certain way. I think what has really helped me was that since uh, me and my ex uh, um, uh, came apart and I I had my son for uh, every second weekend, uh, he uh, became a sort of the antithesis to all these things for me, which meant that I had someone grounding me and something grounding me, at least 35% of my time. Right. And I knew that nothing would be able to come in in the way of that because I'd never booked. Uh, uh, a trip well you know because we have discussed this Uh, yeah (laughs) like uh, like i wouldn't i wouldn't say yes to something that would land on his weekend because if it would be this that one weekend would be gone then i wouldn't see him the weekend before the weekend after and all of a sudden i wouldn't have seen my kid for three weeks and i didn't want that and it helped me uh, while everything was was crazy it helped me uh, really keep my focus on what is truly important and 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 I think that that has been a, a a a gift for me to be able to have that as something that uh, uh, would bring me back to to what really means something in life, no? And and I, yeah. I, I and I think that that has helped me throughout all my situations.
1: I I think I completely agree, and I don't know if it's if it's. Uh um if it's um if it's just getting older but definitely my my job i mean i i separated as as well and 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 the kids and and trying to balance that but i think it made me realize as well and this is post-covid is that like when i used to think i had to be in the restaurant every night or i had to be there on a saturday night because it was the most important thing and blah 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 and what if michelin turn up and what if you're not there but Mm -hmm. what i realized uh, now is that like if it doesn't work and I'm not there, then it's not working. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if, if I have if, if I have my, my two kids on a Saturday night, I can't work. And it doesn't yeah. matter. And yeah. I, I, I and I, I still I, I'm still not there I'm getting there, but I have to let go to a certain degree. Because it's still like, what if someone important comes in and they're looking for you and I was like, well they can come back? Or like it's uh it's it, it's about kind of like the I am not the restaurant. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And it has it has to be. And I, of course, I love being in there when I'm there, but it also has to exist outside me. And if it can't, then then I've got to do something about it. You know. But
2: but, but there's there's something there's something really interesting there because we tend to have this feeling, oh, the team needs me, or you know, whatever. If if you say some journalists, they're really important, but often you also feel. Uh, um, obliged towards the staff around you because they do work hard and you, you want to really represent and you re- really want to show that it's worth it working hard for this. And and I just also at one point started realizing, well, you know, most staff I have, like if they do really well, I ha- they are in my life for three years if they do really well. Many, many, many staff I have are in my life six months, seven months, four months, six mm-hmm. months, eight months. And In 20 years, none of these people are going to thank me for being there that Wednesday night. When whoever came in, none of these people are going to thank me for being there that weekend where they were really busy. None. But I know one person that will appreciate me being at home in 20 years and 30 years and 50 years. Yes. That is why you do it.
1: No, that's, I I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, um I think that's, uh, that's, it's a, it's a really important, uh, it's, it's important. And it, it goes back to what we were saying about the industry reflecting on upon itself and thinking about itself. And how do you, how do you do both? I mean, how but, do you but to think, but to think of this JP, you need to find your ego.
2: Yes. Because, because everything in your ego tells you that to get success, this is where you need to be. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Everything th- because your team and this and that, and you want to, you know, you want to, you want people to think something of you and it, it it does make sense, but, but, but those uh, uh, values are not with you, your entire life. Like they're not going to be there for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and I think that that, that is what makes for me the crucial difference. And, and I, and I, I'm not saying that I just knew this. I was forced into this situation by having the feeling of obligation towards my son in the, in the weekends that I had him and and by being forced into it i started realizing how important it was and what really made the difference for me
1: hmm. no no I, I i i completely completely agree with you and just just as i said just to finish up because i just want i mean if anyone is listening and they and they don't know about your farm i think it's an important a- uh uh aspect of of what you do it's really really important for, uh, i i think anyway and um, I, I, I suppose I just, uh, rather than saying like how, how it started and all that, I mean, uh, I suppose to put it into perspective now and your, your daily life and how the farm uh, feeds into that, I presume you have a whole team working on the farm and is, is it still, the, the farm is it's in, in a, I suppose, a triangle with, with Beisht and, and Mirabel, it or is it bigger than that?
2: No, it's got, it's got, it's in some senses smaller than that. And in some senses is way looser than that. Now I came, I came to understand mid 20, that, that, that this, this was not something I could keep up. Like in the sense that I, I had gone full in on, on establishing the farm for me to both uh, sort of, you know, build up my thesis about how important it is to bridge gastronomy and agriculture. And I wanted to prove it myself by getting on my knees and getting shit done, right? Yes. I, at one point, I started realizing, okay, there's only 24 hours a day. Uh, and there's, 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 there's actually a limit to what I can do. And, and I might have a vision, uh, but, but it doesn't necessarily... It, it, it might be a vision that I can only carry on my shoulders, on my own. Because this idea that I had that I could have I just, you know, it came from being, I was at a farm, I was in a field, I I had a a, a sort of an epiphany moment where I was like, wow, this is, I I really need to be at the farm some more and, you know, maybe as a chef, I should be uh, at a farm way more often and this way I could be way more inspired and I could understand uh, uh, agriculture and if me as gastronomy can understand agriculture better, then gastronomy can be better and agriculture could be better and I could solve all the problems of the world. (laughs) And then, Mm. and then. And then I realized, okay, you know what happens? It's like, if I'm on the farm and if I am in the field, I get some ideas and I can use it for something. It doesn't necessarily mean that whoever I put out on the farm will do so. I realized that. I realized that because I have a vision, doesn't mean that people necessarily share the vision. 100%. <laughs> and, 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 and after four years of carrying this on my shoulders and having, uh, 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 really trying to do, Everything I possibly could to make this work. Uh, I uh, came into 2020, which was a, a big blow and difficult. And you know, like here you are, and we have a farm, and 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 there's no restaurants. How do we deal with this farm? Well, I was dead set on making this survive. And and uh, and here I've had maybe the, the second or third generation of 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 sort of a, say managers so or who's in charge of this project here already at this time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and this person quits in June. Right. So, so I have, I've hold on, held on to a person that is working at the farm because I'm like, you, I'm not, I cannot sacrifice you because if there's no farm, then there is no relay community. There's no farm of ideas. This is not going to work. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I need to keep, keep this flame burning and you need to do this because if you don't sow anything now in March and April, February, March and April, how how are we going to have anything for the restaurant when hopefully we open up again later this year? So you do it. And this guy quit in June. I was like in June. So, so before we harvest anything, you quit. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was ready to throw in the, the towel. I was like, I've had it. Like I, because I cannot physically, have the time to damage control and crisis management full on all the time and, and, and grow vegetables for yeah. restaurants that are not open. Like this is, it doesn't make sense to me. Like this is crazy. I need to just really fortify the little I want to keep up, which is based in Miaville. Be able to navigate through these waters because they are going crazy. And I don't know what to expect. There's no security. There's no stability. I don't know what comes around the next corner. There's no time for me to make fun projects. There's no fun projects. It's survival time. You know, yep. let's get at it. And, and here I was, and I was like, okay, this is, this is not, it's not going to work. And, and I had the Kevin there, which was a chef apprentice at, at the relay that willingly uh, moved to the farm to just make it survive in the months before, like from the lockdown on. Right. And, and uh, I told him, man, I don't, I don't know what to do now. Like I, I have no more solutions. Like I cannot hire another person to, 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 to do this. And then I don't know what happens. I don't have like, there's no economy. Like there's no money here. Uh, And, and he was like, man, uh, this this uh, this is um, this is important, and I think that it, if you, if you just throw this out with the bathwater, uh, it's regretful not just for you but for many of us. This needs to survive, and I was like, okay, but you you want it? Do you want this? Because if you if you want a job opportunity, there is no such thing. Like, there's no job opportunity here. If you want a business opportunity, you can have it. And it's like, okay, what do you mean? Well, I mean, if you grow enough leaks to pay your wage, it's all yours. But I'm not paying you for not growing leaks. You know, you take some risks too. I'm, I've been taking all risks for everything. And, and there's a flaw in that system. And I realized that. So, so if we need to keep this on, you need to run it more independently. And if you can make this come around, great. I'll buy as much as it makes sense for you. But we're talking more market driven, which means if the leaks are no good, I'm not buying them. Mm. Like you need to make good leaks because what's the point? What's the point of me growing my own vegetables if they're shit? Yeah. And, 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 and then for, for you to be able to do so, I need to give you space. I realize that. I cannot define everything. You need to make your choices. And what also comes with this is that if you want to sell to a mass, just to say something that, you know, I'm, go ahead and do it. Do whatever you want. Like, I, whatever I can give you to succeed with this is yours. Do it. And he did. <laughs> because maybe he's a little bit uh, 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 crazy. He, he went at it and he's doing it. And it's fucking hard. And he's struggling because it's a struggle. And this idea, like, I, the only thing I regret is that I have if I may have at any time giving anyone the impression that you should romanticize farming to being something that's just all fun and it's all good and we don't have time to do it, that's not my intention mm. because it's fucking hard. And if you're not a little bit insane, you should s- stay the hell out of there. The problem is is that it attracts a lot of people that have this idea, that now they need to strike a different work-life balance and slow yeah. food and this and that and they should grow some vegetables because it's chilled. It's not, man. It's balance. not. It's so no. hard and so speak. difficult.
1: I completely agree. Uh, and knowing the farmers that I know, it's uh, like it's a it's a brutal enough life, you know, and it's it's Fuck. difficult and, Yeah. yeah. Um, there's uh, and and it's still sometimes I question when I see like restaurants and now having a little farm and or, or saying that they're growing their own stuff when I just know they're not because I just know that you cannot you can't just self you can't just become self sufficient. It's like a, it's a romantic myth. Um and you you of course you can assist and and compliment but at the same time it, it is uh it's not just I, some rosy garden where you go out no. and pants and stuff and you bring it in and, you, yeah, and, it, I think- and
2: it, I think what I have concluded was was two things. Again, I went into this with the same ambition that I told you I went into just about everything else. I just really wanted to learn something. And I was just very curious and very much infatuated with the idea of growing tomatoes and what does that mean and how do you do it? And the the what I went through for four or five years of establishing it myself and, and and financing it hundred percent and taking full responsibility for it uh, was m- making me understand agriculture and all its complexity probably to some extent way 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 better than I could have done in any other way because I, I put my uh, uh, you know my hand on the burner sort of say I like I took the responsibilities for it mm-hmm. but, but again, this comes back to what I was saying before, what do I want to spend my Wednesday on? Because my Wednesday, when, when, when I have to run the farm of ideas is, is more, uh, uh, solving bureaucratical issues with the commune or whatever the fuck or some zoning law or whatever it is. Or, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, um, I've had like, uh, uh, how do you say Like, um, subpoenaed by the police by the organic association because of some bureaucratic mistake that someone did at one point I can't even explain to you what it was that ends up having me getting uh, with a guy coming up here with a letter a personal letter to me from the from the court saying I have to go to court but like what (laughs) you know I want to I want to know how carrots work and I have to go to court what the fuck is this but, 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 you know, I realized if I, if I would have spent the five years and a fraction, like 5% of the money I spent in trying to, to achieve this dream and achieve this vision on traveling somewhere to Ireland to meet some farmers and spend three days with them and really try to go deep in what they were doing and maybe filming them and maybe doing a vlog about it or whatever, something in that sense, I would have learned so much more about the interesting part the part that interested me in in farming and so much less about the complexity and the ugly side of it which is what you get dragged through when you have to deal with this you know and and and, and this is this is without considering you know the amount of uh, uh human resource sort of projecting things that i had to deal with with a bunch of people all the time like that's just how it is as a leader. Right. But, but I'm, I'm just trying to say that this, there's nothing romantic about it. I do think that as a chef, you do benefit massively from, uh, having an interest in where the, the, the produce is sourced and going as far as you can in that process is, is, uh, I think very beneficial and it will uh, benefit the way you cook, uh, I just have to say that I've probably been as far as you can humanly be without losing your mind. And I've just returned. And, and I, have, I have Kevin running this and, 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 I, and I, and I hope the best for him. And he has my entire support and, and, and uh, uh, I hope for the, you know, for the product, product of that to be on one hand, that he will succeed with it, with whatever terms he has. For that to be a success and that we get some great vegetables out of it
1: yes yeah. that's about it well look i i that is as good a place as i to to try and wrap it up and uh we have we've gone over and uh i think as i said it's been it's been fascinating talking to you, christian and i i i think there's lots of learnings i hope that people pull uh from that um and And ultimately, I suppose try and as, as you said a number of times, what what do I want my Wednesday to be like? Maybe we should yeah. actually just do the podcast that What do I want my Wednesday yeah. to be yeah. like? Yeah, I think most of the time you end up getting dragged somewhere you don't want to go, whether yeah. it 's cork or a carrot or yeah. uh, or, uh, or something else. But listen, I hope to see you very soon in in, in Copenhagen when, when we 're still not exactly out of this, but hopefully when it, it is getting brighter, and i I hope to to see you very soon. It would be a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you very much, JP.